And I am so excited to welcome you back to Lily High on Life with another really special guest in our studios, who I'll introduce you to in just a moment. Now, I wanted to tell you that the reason I was excited to have today's guest on the show is because she's an amazing, accomplished young woman who looks at least 15 years younger than her chronological age, which I believe just happens when you're happy and making good decisions in your life. But also her life has had so many changes from the time she was a small child up until today. And so many people are afraid of change they're they're it's not just a fear but you go along with the way life is and you feel that that that's all there is and so I'd like to introduce you to Laura Paris who has had many many changes that we're going to talk about today Laura welcome thank you Lily well thank you for welcoming me you know um when I first met you, we just had an instant connection because we just think along the same lines. So this was before I even got to know you. Tell our listeners a little bit about where you, what you're doing today. Well, there's been another change in the last couple of weeks, which has been fantastic. Um, I've had the honor of going back to an old job and uh, being promoted, which is nice. And so I'm now working back for Caraggio and we put advisory boards together for business owners, entrepreneurs, accountants and lawyers across the Eastern Seaboard. And such an exciting job too, because it puts you in touch with a lot of very powerful high-end business owners. Definitely it does. And it changes their lives as well. A lot of the people that join us don't realize how much they need us until they've joined us. And you've been, so your people skills are fabulous. Your accent is English and you've lived all over the world. That's right, I have. What are some of the countries that you've lived in? I've lived in um, Bahrain. I've lived in Israel. I've lived in Malaysia. I was born in Malaysia, actually. I've lived in Scotland, England, Wales. Um, I lived in Mauritius for a while. I lived in Africa for a while. So a lot of moving around and of your own uh, choice and fruition, too, mm. not just as a, as a child. So we'll talk a little bit about that in a little while. And you've also recently gotten engaged. I have, yes. You. This is your third marriage? Possibly. <laughs> Um, we won't talk about the first one. <laughs> okay, but there have been a couple of others. I have, at least. And yes. you've committed to someone, mm-hmm. and you have a child and grandchildren. I do, yes. I didn't think you were old enough to have grandchildren when I first uh, when I first met you, so that's a lovely, lovely thing as well. It's very sweet, thank you. And your your choices, I mean, the choice to get married again now, tell me a little bit about that. It's very interesting. I um, It's very sad as well. I, I lost my mother about a year ago to the day. And um, the person that I've got engaged to is somebody who I had known for a few months before that happened. And then when I got back, we and I, I had friends owned him for a while. And then we ended up dating and now we're together. So I do think my mother had something to do with that. So the engagement will be a long engagement. We've both had a few goes at this and um we're just going to make sure that we do the right thing. But it's the most comfortable I've ever been. And there is no other mandate apart from the fact that we enjoy each other. And that's never happened before. So it really is about the feeling of comfort at this stage as opposed to 
without talking about it too much, but when you first got married, what was the impetus for that marriage? How did you feel about each other? Um, well, the first time I got married, I got married through more of a, I didn't really want to upset anybody, so I felt I had to get married. I was pregnant before I got married. A lot of people didn't actually know I was, and um, I was got married to a very handsome Indian man, um, and his family and my family, his family probably more so, were very keen for us to get married. And and I had a beautiful little girl, so so much joy. She's brought me so much joy. I'm sure, absolutely. That thing about having children, do you remember when she was born and you first had her? What was that mm, feeling like? I do, I remember. Um, I, don't, I won't get too graphic, but not all of her was born, just her little head. And I just fell in love with the head. It was just unbelievable. And she looked at me and she had that look on her face as though, what's all the problem about? What's What are you worried about? I'm here. And I've always been here. I loved being pregnant. I wasn't ready to give her up, as in bring her into the world, because you almost feel as though you've got this beautiful child and you bring her into a polluted world and you just want to protect them forever. Um, but it was the best thing that ever happened to me. And were you there when she gave birth to your grandchildren? She had a caesarean for both of them. Uh, she she had her children young due to the fact that she wasn't really well enough to wait any longer. She had um, issues um, with endometriosis and she was told she couldn't have children. So she did IVF for the first one and then the second one was natural. So it was so lovely. So she has your spirit. Nobody's going to tell her she's not going to be able to do anything. Yes, definitely. <laughs> Her father's quite stubborn as well. I haven't seen him for years, but um, or, but he, I, I do remember him fondly from about 20 three years ago, 25 years ago, and he was always quite stubborn. So she's a little bit like him, but she's quite a lot like me as well. And you, were you there for the birth? or you? Uh, yes, I was there for the first one. And then the second one, um, I came up a couple of hours later. She's in Brisbane and I'm in Melbourne. And how did it um, to be the feeling of becoming a mother for the first time? And you obviously remember that distinctly. And then becoming a grandmother. Is it a difference or is it just building on that same euphoria? It is a very different feeling. Interesting. It's an interesting feeling. You you do you 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 the first thing you want to do, like I suppose most people do with babies, is you want to smell them, and they, she, the first one smelt like incense straight from God. You know, such a strong smell of sandalwood incense, which was incredible, and that was a little boy, and there is a feeling you look at your little girl because she's still your little girl and she always will be and she's she's got this baby boy and there's a part of you because she's your child that it, you feel like it's your child having a child and it can't be right <laughs> you know it's wonderful but you the feeling the love that I have for little Darcy is incredible but it's it is a different love I think yeah, it's, it's like a different that, love that whole time space thing is is just not there at all. It's your child having a child, mm. but it's it's it really messes up the whole time sequence thing. <laughs> it does. It does really. I mean, it was an interesting situation because she needed to have a child because she wasn't well, and so I actually had offered at the time to say, "Look, well." Um, you know, if you have a child, I will look after the child for you and you can carry on with your life if you want to do that. And she decided that, no, she wanted to be a mum and that was good. But it was nice. I think she enjoyed the fact that I said I would be there for her. And she said, well, I don't want to ruin your life. I said, you wouldn't be. I'm young enough to be able to bring a child up for you if you still want to get on with your life because she was only 20, 
I think 21 when she needed to do this so herself and her partner did make some fairly large sacrifices to do this and when they're in their 40s they'll enjoy their lives absolutely I find that particularly interesting because I never had children Mm. always thought it would automatically happen so that whole Mm. concept of well I need to do this now or not do it at all is is really an interesting choice. But she also obviously met somebody who was important to her mm. and who she felt that affinity with, whereas that was what was missing in my life. I never actually met someone that I felt that I needed to give myself wholly to and get married. Mm. I think it's a very um, big step for both of them. I just remember getting pregnant at 30 and at the time I felt goodness I'm 30 years too soon for me Uh, I'm so blessed to have have had one child I would have liked to have had more but it just didn't it just didn't come to pass that way and um, the fact that they made a decision to have a baby and then another one at such a young age and to be able to forfeit so many things and bring these children up, I think, is a testament to their maturity at such a young age. So it's not really about what you think. It's about how you feel, again, because it's not a logical thing. If you, you There are just some things that you know and you follow through on them. Mm. Yeah, it is. It's interesting because when I, before I had my daughter, I'd been told that I couldn't have children as well. And I had a very close friend in London and we lived together and I named my daughter after her, actually. And she said the same thing to me. She said, if you can't have children, I'll be, I'll, I'll have a child for you. So it's interesting how not generationally but to a a degree I said the same thing to my daughter you know you carry the child so that you'll get better by 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 being pregnant it will cure your problem but I'll look after the child for you so it's almost like the other way around and when you had that offer from your friend Mm. what what did you think did you seriously consider taking it up I was I was very grateful and quite relieved because I was told I couldn't have children and to me it was just wonderful that she she said that she would do that I mean basically all you needed to do to do was look at Jane and she got pregnant so (laughs) (laughs) she was very fertile and um and I was there was a feeling of relief but there was a feeling of uh, there was a bond that was had already been created but it was cemented by her saying that because I knew she meant it it wasn't just lip service she really genuinely meant it and that will never change. And you knew when you got pregnant that you were absolutely going to have it, even though you weren't married yet. Mm. There was no way that you weren't yeah. going to do that. Yeah. And I was all, I was actually planning on having her by myself. So it was almost like the 11th hour marriage. Um, so I did most of my pregnancy on my own and um, felt very safe, even though, oddly enough, I was actually in a hostel for... Um, homeless people at one point in that uh, in that pregnancy which is an interesting interesting time but it was a feeling of I was never alone because I had the child inside of me I didn't know whether I was having a boy or a girl but I didn't feel alone and I actually didn't feel scared but at the time it was a situation that I ended up being in even though I had a place in London that was rented out I ended up in this hostel in the north of England and it was, was that a choice was that a choice that you made given that you had a father and you had a mother and you had a place you were renting out and there were the, the child's father so that you you had lots of options mm. what was what kind of choices did you feel you were making at the time I wanted to make the right choice for me and then as I got more and more pregnant I suppose and once you're pregnant you're pregnant but as it as it went further on into the pregnancy 
I felt a responsibility to the child, and um, so that's why I married. Um, I married the father, I suppose. <laughs> I did have a few ex-boyfriends that came back into my life and said, I'll marry you, which I thought was very sweet. Um, but I really felt like I needed to do the right thing. Um, but to being a homeless hostel was a choice that I did make because I wanted to be on my own. And I... Um, I, I don't know. I just sort well, of ended am I up hearing there. some stubbornness there in terms of what your thoughts really were at the time? I, I felt, uh, I suppose to a degree, yes, I felt like there was a lot of noise externally. Um, I I don't think I stayed with my mother. I stayed with my brother, which didn't work out very well. And, uh, and then I just, and I had friends in London and they were all horrified when they heard I was in this homeless hostel in the north of England. Uh, it was hilarious because they'd come up to visit me and they'd have their Porsches and their Ferraris parked outside and go, where's reception? You know, it was so funny. <laughs> And I was there with ex-prison inmates, and I, I, it was a it was a glorious time for me because it was it was a, it was a it was an experience and a need that I needed to do, not just for the fact that it was an experience, but it did change me. And I met people in there who had gone through a lot of strife in their life and lost their children and had their children taken from them. So it was a. I look back on it not with any pain, but with. Um, it's a very special place for me. Uh, you, I believe, and I know you believe this too. Things don't happen by accident, and you don't uh, you don't just uh, end up somewhere. It's because it's an experience that you need to have for some reason that you find out at some time or other. So it's not a. There's no judgment on it being mm. good, bad, ugly, whatever else. And I'm sure your friends wanted to take you home with them when they came <laughs> to visit you. Um, but you, for whatever reason, felt that you needed that experience at the time, mm. which is why I'm suggesting a stubbornness, mm. um, not as a bad thing, but just as a belief system that mm. you had. I think I'm fiercely independent, and I think there were, the, you know, my, my friends would be. You know, they'd be smoking and going out and having a nice time and living in amazing houses. But that was the season that they were in. And the season that I was in, I was this sort of, I was nurturing a child inside of me. And I was this whole Mother Earth. And I remember jumping in a car with Jane and she'd been smoking in the car and she lit up. And I was about, I think I was eight months pregnant at the time. And I said, What are you doing? And she said, Oh, for goodness sake, you're only pregnant. You know, but it, to me, I was horrified. And I was sitting in a car and so I jumped back out the car. So, so you always. Protection. Yeah. You always very much had your own mind and, and your own um, way of thinking. Mm. and weren't really swayed by other people. No. We've gone way over time in what I wanted to, where I wanted to pursue it, but I found it fascinating, so thank you. I really appreciate you going with us. Tell me about your faith, praying and getting closer to God for you. I think I'd been searching all my life for something. I remember wanting to go to church as a child, and my, fa my, my father was not really against it, but he wasn't exactly for it. So I think I went a couple of times with my mum and then... I went a couple of times for Sunday school, so and I and I had a search at about at a young age, and then disappeared because life got in the way. And then as I got older, I had that search again, that yearning for something. There must have been something more. So, searched in different areas and uh, looked at the Hare Krishna faith for a while, which is interesting. And then lived in the Middle East and and did actually and, and was in Israel for a while, which was incredible. But at the time that I was in Israel, it was before I had really found God. 
um, but I found that uh, for me I see the the Jewish people as the chosen people and I know that they are and so to me there was this really strong and I would love to go back to Israel again with this whole different view of how I see it because of everything that I've read since which is incredible so my faith is strong it's it, and and that's probably sometimes not the first place I turn to but it, it's always part of my life on an everyday basis faith that all is well or faith that there is someone steering your life or what's the faith if you had to define it sure the faith is really that there is a god i think we're living in a narcissistic world where people feel as though they can rely on themselves and we've got the iphone and the me bank and it's just all about us and me and people forget that actually we can't do anything in our own strength and that's what I truly believe that God is there he created us and we are going to go back to God so irrespective of what religion you actually are that there is a God that's there's a creator that that has created us Mm. Um, and losing my mother last year has just brought me closer and closer to God in the fact that I just know that that she's with him and I, I what about with you do you still feel her around you that's a really good question I uh, I got back from the UK because she's English and she's over there with all my family and I got back from the UK UK last year and I was a little bit angry and I, I don't know I wasn't angry but I, I went to the medicine cabinet to get something and there was a card for my mother and the, and, and the words were I'll always be there for you and I got quite upset and I said but you're not are you and it was interesting because the next day I found a letter in the most inopportune place that was from my mother which I read and to me I truly believe that that was all that was her way of saying actually there I am. are no accidents so I do feel even though I mean she was on the other side of the world so I feel closer to a degree now that she's gone um and I think about her a lot. And you said you did marry the father of your child, mm-hmm. but then you also raised your child on your own mm. and ended up going back to your mother and sister to help you do that. What was that decision all about? I had got married and I kind of thought that, you know, Indian marriage, there are a lot of um, uh, marriages that are... Um, not love marriages within the Indian community and so I thought well okay we're not in love with each other well I didn't think I was um, but we can learn to love one another so I really did try uh, but it just I think I'm just too emotional and love means so much to me so uh, he was a good man and a good father but um, we had to separate it just it wasn't working it was just See, it wasn't enough depth for me I believe love is about putting a hundred percent into what the other person needs and mm. wants and so love only works when he is putting a hundred percent into what you need mm. and what you want and it's that hundred hundred percent where you are caring about each other that then really love is able to grow in a, in a mm. nice garden you were not feeling that from him were you giving it to him I think I think there were, there were quite a lot of things involved in the, I think my, my mother was a midwife and we were all planning on having the baby in the UK and then four weeks later I was on a plane going to Australia and I had my baby in Australia at the time 
he wasn't an Australian citizen, so he was going to miss the birth if we'd had the baby in England. So it was all very kind of rush, rush, rush and got married and then had the baby and I was living with his family, didn't speak a lot of English. I didn't know anybody in Australia whatsoever and I'm giving birth in a foreign country. So there were a lot of hormones and a lot of emotions rushing around. And then I started making friends after I'd had the baby and I made friends with people that I met in the hospital who are still my friends today, which is so nice. And um, tried to make a life, but it just, I was just very unhappy. I was very unhappy. It was a combination of missing my mother, missing my sister, suddenly producing a child, and yet all my family were overseas. And there was that yearning to feel connected and the family were lovely and Robin's father my daughter's father is is a lovely man it was just I think I just wanted more Mm. and it's those changes you know then moving back to England to be Mm. with your mother and sister Mm. and that was a whole thing to itself because you had then had to still bring up a child and Mm. make a life for yourself Mm. which you did so let's just shift away because there's so much more on this and I could talk to you for hours which we don't have but in fact you're a very professional accomplished businesswoman in your own right where you've created your own businesses where you've made and lost fortunes and where you're currently interacting with CEOs of all different kinds of companies so tell us a little bit about these times where you've really gotten into it and uh Proved yourself financially because that seems to be a, a a yardstick that people use. And you bought your own house at twenty one for the mm. first time. I did. Um, I bought my house in London for the first time. Uh, I was 21 years old. And then the market did actually crash in London. And I think we were paying 17% interest. But um, I... Um, I did get some financial help from my father. He gave me £3,000 towards it. And I keep thinking, I must pay him back. <laughs> He's 86 now. I must do that. Um, he'll probably ask for interest, though, so I'll be in trouble. And um, and then I went to Australia, so all, all, that, all that was gone. All, all that money got absorbed into moving to Australia and having a baby. And, um, and then, obviously, when I went back to England, I stayed with my mother, and then I was given a council house. And it was very happy times in that house. And then... And it was a council house, but it was something that was so appreciated and and, mm. and has a lot of happy memories for you. Mm, it was interesting. It had it had everything in it, and it even had Kellogg's cornflakes in the cupboard because it was originally for the refugees from Montserrat after the earthquake. And I think they came over, took one look at it, and said no. And then I um, they, they gave me a call, and I said, "I love it. I want it. Thank you." <laughs> so we moved in myself and my daughter, and we had some very happy times there. And then I managed to save up enough money and bought another house in a little village, a little bit close and um, close to my family and it was nice to get back on the property ladder again. That took about three or four years. Mm. And it was obviously something important for you to own your own house and to Mm. become financially secure Mm. and stable on your own. Yeah, I really worked quite hard. I would make sure that my little girl was... Uh, she well I stayed at home as long as I possibly could uh, and then when she went to school I started work but I was actually working as well and then I went through college again and um, I was doing a few jobs I was doing about two or three jobs and then I got a full-time job selling uh, websites 
uh, for an in, for an internet company, and that was quite well paid. And that was in the early days of the internet, or when it was, was in the that? early days. It was when websites we would sell websites for three or four thousand pounds. Wow! Mm. And it's it's also a stark contrast because you, as you said, we were born in Malaysia, mm. and you also chose to live on an island in Mauritius mm-hmm. when you were. Not even sixteen. Yeah, it's about sixteen. When you're around sixteen, and Mauritius as a place to live is pretty much the opposite to the city of London or even any city in Australia. Um, Tell me a little bit about the difference you felt living on an island with somewhat seclusion and living in the cities. I much prefer an island. It, it's been interesting. I live right in the centre now in a beautiful apartment in Melbourne. And I think all it's done has been great, but it's confirmed to me that I'm very much a an island or country quiet person. Uh, my favourite time would just be sitting down by in front of the fire with the dog and a glass of red wine and a good book. Or and, a friend who's read one. And, and <laughs> I like the friend that's read one. <laughs> Um, your life is also really busy now because mm. of your job. There are constant events, constant meetings, constant busyness, and you're and you're traveling a lot. How do you um, how do you gel or merge that in your mind with this place where you really feel blissful, which is in a country rural area? Mm. It is interesting. I, I only gave that up about a year ago. I did have a nice little house with a, with a, it was just a little rental, but with an open fireplace. And it was just so lovely out in the sticks in Vermont. And I really enjoyed it. And I was very community focused there. Um, however, I moved into the city because I thought, well, look, it's really important that I just work as hard as I possibly can. Uh, none of us are getting any younger. So there was that. And I tend to find that every few months I will just take some time out and just go somewhere by myself. No husband, fiancé, boyfriend, girlfriend, daughter, grandchildren, just me. The country, the beach, on your own where? It's actually a little tree house up up in Queensland. Oh, okay. So you've got a specific spot that is your place for bliss. Mm. That's so important Mm. to have and to to be able to go to as well. Um, Tell me about how much... um, what does it give you to interact with the people you're interacting with nowadays? Because I know that the for me, uh, when I was involved with startups and and that kind of industry, it was the excitement of the people that were building that was I was infused mm. with that just sort of made my life so exciting. You are almost on a daily basis dealing with people who are involved in successful businesses mm. and part of what you do in creating these boards is making their businesses even more successful. Tell me a little bit about that um, uh, that rush and that um, the people that you work with. Mm, it's very exciting. We tend to find that we, we tend to do, deal with businesses from around about uh, $10 million upwards. Um, so we don't focus too much on startups, although we do have some. But it is really fascinating to see that. And in the, t- in the short time that I went to a big corporate organization, I really, did, I really felt out of touch with that because we're, we're at that point where we're holding hands with the actual owners that, that can't sleep at 3 o'clock in the morning because they have 
20 salaries to pay and those those people have got children and they've got wives and husbands so they're up at night sweating over whether they can pay the bills and those are the kind of people we want to work with those are the kind of people who really it's it's about having a heart for the business and when you when you're with the actual business owners and helping them succeed and watching them grow from from a 10 million dollar business to a 50 million dollar business within about 10 or 15 months that's where the the joy comes because people are happier people are genuinely happier when they're not having to to stress too much about and money it's, and it's about self-improvement a lot too because i think a lot of people would be shocked to know that people who owned businesses and businesses that are valued at a million or five million mm-hmm. which would seem like a lot of money but those people aren't confident happy uh, but they struggle with those businesses because owning a business doesn't mean that you actually know how to efficiently and effectively run it so that's really what you're doing you're stepping in and helping people um, really learn how to be better at what they've built and Mm. created and to look after themselves with the lawyers and the accountants, particularly the lawyers, they're not charging enough. They haven't raised their prices for four or five years because they're too scared to. And we get them to do that. We get them to take that step, that that, that risk to say, no, put your prices up. And, and they do. And then they say, I've got more more clients than I had before because they, they for, people forget their own value. And I think it's really important. You value yourself and you take time out for yourself and you say, how much am I worth and even on an hourly basis how much am I worth on an hourly basis and to put that up and it's it's important that people learn to to know their value and to push it a little bit further and that's really what Lily High on Life's all about is knowing your worth and knowing your own value so let me ask you um, for yourself you haven't completed a university degree or anything like that but you've got this rich tapestry and focus of things that you have done that you have been successful with where do you get the confidence to now step in and work with these to not just work with them but even socialize with these successful people because they are successful to a certain extent where you're telling them I can make you even more successful Mm, it's a really good question actually because I sometimes Sometimes don't know where my confidence comes from. I think it comes from a drive, and I think it comes from a, a realness within my heart, and really wanting to help people as much as I can. So I'm not quite sure where that comes from. I don't think it's a taught behaviour. I think it's more inherent. Maybe I've inherited it. My father uh, was an extremely intelligent, or is an extremely intelligent man, and I think I picked it up from him. Hmm. Interesting, because. Um it's a uh, it's it really is something that you're born with or you're not and it takes a lot of confidence to make the choices that you've made to um, to, to get married to start with you know when it's not a hundred percent right to go off on your own where and have a child the way you've described your child's uh, life first started all of those things are something where you have had to have that confidence in yourself um is that something you that your sister has as well is do you think it came from your parents my sister's got stronger over the years i believe i think she was a softer person than myself and a quieter personality so quite different I think I was always very uh, driven and quite 
loud and vivacious when I was younger. And my sister's grown into herself over the years, I do believe. So we were very different and we weren't very close when we were younger. Interestingly enough, we went to different schools for whatever reason. Um, There's a three-year age gap between us. I have an older brother as well, but we don't see a lot of him. And um, we have got closer, a lot closer since my mother passed away. And are you also closer to your father now that he's older? Not really. Sadly, I'd like to. Was Has he remarried? He has, yes. And so I have a half-brother who's around about 26, I think, and he's just been, he's married and has a child. So, yeah, I think because my my mother got remarried as well, I'm very close to my stepfather. And so that marriage obviously has lasted mm. really well. Mm. Were they a better fit, do you think? My mother and stepfather? Um. Mm. I think my mother had some very happy years with my father. I think they were happy for about 20, I think they had 25, 20 years together. And she had a lovely time. She lived in Malaysia. She lived different parts of the world. And I think financially they had a, they had a good, they had a nice life. They were, it was it was nice. My mother worked some, some of the time, but only through choice. And um, she did. She I remember her talking quite fondly about my father and saying what a lovely time she had. And she, they, they had some very happy years. And I'm not sure if people grow out of love. I don't know. I've, my my um, shampoos have always lasted longer than my marriages, so I've yet to find <laughs> that one out. <laughs> well, as I've said, you don't make mistakes. You just have new experiences mm. and you don't know where other paths would have taken you so Mm. it's all good it's Mm. not you know there there are no real mistakes about anything Mm. what's the loveliest trait that you see in your daughter that you're really Mm. proud of i'm very proud of my child um the loveliest trait is something that's i don't see it and it's not from me she she reminds me a little bit of my sister actually she's um She's happy with her lot, if that makes sense. If I can just put it into one mm-hmm. sentence, she's happy with her lot. So she and she's very caring of other people, um, which I, th- I think, um, without sounding big-headed, I think that might come from me. I'm very caring of other people, but I'm also very driven. Um, whereas my daughter will say, "This is my life, and this is what I'm doing," and I'm going to make the most and of it. Happy. And she's contented. And happy she's with happy. what it is. I hope she's happy. Have you tried to steer her in any directions with things that you've learned from your own life? Absolutely. I, I, I didn't think that my daughter's... I didn't think she would have two children under the before she was 25. I thought she'd travel the world. And we talked about her going to Paris and finishing off her schooling in Paris and going on and doing lots of things. And my mother put her on the stage. My mother was a, was a real... Um, Real, um, what's the right word? Thespian, I suppose, and uh, and she was an amateur. She was in amateur dramatics. Um, most, and she, my daughter, my mother had gone to drama school, and I thought my daughter would be like that. And she um, she was in a few plays and a few pantomimes. So I thought she would have maybe followed a little bit more in my footsteps and travelled the world. And and she's the most beautiful person I've ever met in my whole life, out externally as well as internally. So I really felt like she. Um, had a lot of opportunity to maybe do some modeling or or um something and um and she's very beautiful when people meet her they go wow i mean she's she's half indian half english so wow. you know nice that, combination that <laughs> <laughs> and um but those so sorts nice. of highlights and the way you've described her is as about the the highest level of mm. um that, that you could give to anybody 
So and yeah. so, and so would, do you think she would say she's content, happy with her life? I hope so. I mean, she's young, you know, to ask the question. How old is she now? She's 23. <laughs> So for her to for me to ask the question to her at forty and for her to look back because we're all so different. Um, there was something that was really interesting. She was in Melbourne the other day and we we're walking up the street and it was on a Saturday night and she said it's so nice to see all these young people and all these all the girls all dressed up going out clubbing and things and I, my heart bled for her because I wanted her to have experienced certain things which she did miss out on. Um, but she's she's wise. I think she's an old soul. And this is probably not a fair question at all. And you. And it's, I'm not going to get a true answer, but I'm going to ask it anyway because it's a very Jewish question. <laughs> do you like her husband? Were you? I do, actually. Interestingly enough, and and that's the other thing. I'm so blessed. Some people really struggle with the people that they bring into their lives. People struggle with uh, you know, their children's choices, and. Um, I get on very well with Josh. We have a good relationship. We've had a few ding-dongs, and I think that's a really good thing because it's only – you can only scratch – you can have real conversations when you fought with someone. <laughs> and and she's I, your has, daughter and she's young, so yeah. of course. But with, with her partner, I, um, I, have a, I have a relationship with him. It's not separately, but I have a relationship with them together as a unit. I have a relationship with her, and I have a good relationship with him as well. So I'm very, very blessed. Um, Laura, the time has absolutely flown, but I want you to talk about the different countries that you've actually lived in and and the choices you made. Because once you get comfortable somewhere, and you love being comfortable and in the country and, and that level of comfort, to then choose to sort of move around to all these different places, just talk a little bit about moving states as well as countries, because mm. you've done that in Australia as well. Mm. It's interesting. I'm not quite sure what drives me to do that. I look back on it sometimes and I go, a wiser person might not, <laughs> might not have done it. Because I, I am, it, it, people are very important to me and relationships are very important to me. And I do spend a lot of time going, oh, I miss this person and I miss that person and I wish we were a little bit closer. And so I don't know whether it's in my genes or what it is. You know, maybe I am. I was Jewish in a previous life, you know, and we're going, I'm going through the, the desert, you know, the 40 years in the <laughs> yes. desert. Uh, Jewish people have always been the, the travelers. And um, I'm really not sure with, uh, with regards. Um, I traveled a lot as a child. I was born in Malaysia and we went to a couple of countries. I went to Wales. When we hit the UK, there was Wales and then Scotland and there was England. Uh, I think it did the opposite to my sister. She wanted to sort of stay quite grounded in where she was and she wanted to put down roots. So there was a part of me that really wants to put down roots, but the desire to to go somewhere and be somewhere and the fact that we live a, such a short life and I, I feel like I haven't seen much of America. I would love to see more of America. I'd love to travel more. I remember thinking when I got pregnant, you know, that's it. I'm not going to be able to travel. And I have <laughs> just done just as much traveling, if not more. My daughter was very well traveled even before she was born. And her children are quite well traveled as well. They're off to New Zealand next week. So um, I don't know what has driven me to to travel. I, I am excited. I, I get 
typically entrepreneurial. I, I, I get bored quite easily and i always looking for the next best thing. Unfortunately, travel's been involved in that next best thing. That sounds wonderful. I, I love traveling. I would still love to travel. And you do it differently at different times mm. of your life. When I started traveling, you could hitchhike, which was interesting right. in itself. You would never do that now. Mm. But it's been a delight talking to you and thank you so much for your openness and honesty and also um, I think I really believe that there are people that need to hear the start of this interview and when you were talking about those choices and decisions Mm. so I really do thank you for sharing that with us and um, and Lily High on Life is exactly the way you're living your life thank you so thank you for being a guest and thank you for coming thanks very much lily